Hello everyone, welcome back once again to the John 316 podcast. Um, I'm your host, Pastor Rick Clark, and I'm so sorry it's been uh, so long since uh, we've done a podcast. I've been pretty busy with uh, church and uh, seminary and and different things like that going on, but uh, I just wanted to jump on here uh, because I know I hadn't done a podcast in a while, and uh, well, I don't want to keep my fans waiting, so to speak, and uh, uh, of course, I'm joking about that, um, but I, I do, uh, I have been encouraged by several people, uh, how much they, uh, they tell me how much they, they enjoy the podcast and they learn uh, a lot and either helps uh, solidify uh, their stance against Calvinism or uh, maybe they're on the boat or on the I'm sorry on on the on the fence about Calvinism and uh, this has kind of helped them uh, kind of see a different perspective than what uh, the Calvinist presents uh, in their arguments and uh, so I am appreciative of uh, the kind of words that I've had come my way I've uh, been able to go and uh, and speak to uh, uh, a small group of a friend of mine that was uh, is uh, starting a church plant, and he invited me to come speak to a small group uh, on the subject of Calvinism. And uh, man, that was a great night. We had a wonderful time of uh, fellowship and and interaction, and uh, just a wonderful time there. Uh, but this this episode. Um, I wanted to interact with a, a book uh, that I recently came across. Um, it's written by a man by the name of Jordan Too. Now, uh, I don't know uh, Brother Jordan, and um, I do want to say that. I do consider him a brother in Christ. I'm not like some uh, fanatics that, you know, I don't believe that, you know, Calvinists are, are uh, false brethren. I believe that uh, if you're a Calvinist that, that I don't believe you worship a false God or anything like that. I believe that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, we just have a difference of opinion. We all believe that salvation, uh, comes by grace through faith. Uh, we have a different opinion about how, uh, that comes about the inner working, so to speak of, uh, salvation. And so we have that disagreement. Uh, and while that, uh, on the surface might not be that big of a deal. I do believe that it does present, uh, depending on your view uh, on that subject, if you take the Calvinist view, I believe it, it does put God in a, uh, a bad light, so to speak. And so that's why uh, I take time to speak out against uh, Calvinist doctrine. And uh, But Brother Jordan, uh, I was on... Facebook, him and I, I've never met Jordan uh, personally, but uh, I am friends with him on Facebook. He uh, he works for the Baptist Publishing House, which is the uh, curriculum arm of the Baptist Missionary Association of America. He works uh, directly with uh, Dr. Charlie Holmes, the uh, president of the Baptist Missionary Association Theological Seminary over in Jackson. And um, I believe he's a, a great man from what I can tell. Uh, I've listened to him uh, teach some Bible lessons a couple of times, and he's a, he's a, he's a good teacher, well, uh, well-trained, well very knowledgeable. And I was 
on a Facebook page uh, that he just so happens to interact with a lot. And he had posted a book that he had written and I didn't know he had written a book. And so I went and clicked on, uh, clicked on the link to, uh, to go look at the book and it sent me to Amazon. And while, while I was on Amazon, I saw, I can't remember the name of the book, by the way, that, uh, that I, that, I, that caught my, that I was clicking on. Uh, but when I clicked on it, it brought me to Amazon, uh, to where you could purchase his book. And then, uh, it had a, a section like, uh, other books by Jordan. And, uh, I looked and one of the books was titled, uh, the predestination question. And, uh, so that kind of caught my attention. And uh, I thought with him being a, uh, BMA, uh, Baptist and myself being a BMA Baptist, I, I kind of, I, I, I'd seen some posts that he had made before on Facebook. And so, uh, I was, uh, I kind of thought that he leaned a certain way and the Calvinist argument. So I, I purchased this book, the predestination question, um, to, uh, just kind of see what he, he, he had to say about it. And so, uh, this, this podcast is going to be me interacting with that book. Uh, and I'm not going to interact with the whole book. Uh, it's not a long book, by the way, if uh, you're interested and you do want to check it out. Um, it's only uh, 70 something pages long. Uh, in fact, uh, let me see, 70, uh, 79 pages. So not very long. Uh, I read it in uh, in a day and it's just one sitting. Um, and I want to just kind of jump online and uh, share my thoughts about some things uh, with it. And I'm just going to look, we're just going to look at a few pages. I'm not going to take up most of your time with it. Uh, but like I said, uh, Jordan, if you get this and you listen to it, uh, I love you. This is nothing personal, but I just wanted to interact with your book. And if uh, you'd like, uh, we can sit down and have a discussion about our disagreements. I, I would be open for that. And uh, you can share your thoughts and I can share my thoughts and uh, we can uh hopefully sit down and have a civil discussion. You seem like a person that's uh, willing to do that as well. I, this is, can often be a, a heated topic and, uh, but you don't, you don't seem like the, the type that would uh, get overly dramatic or heated over uh, somebody disagreeing with you. So, uh, but we're going to just kind of look at a few uh, pages and a few statements that he makes. And I just want to kind of want to share my thoughts on these statements as we look and uh of course right away as we get into it um like i said it's not a very long book but right away he gets in and in the preface he uh begins to talk about uh the first time he heard the word predestination and um he said he he said it says it was challenging offensive and did not square with my concept of god uh, which uh, anytime I hear a non or a Calvinist uh, talk about their first time uh, hearing about predestination or or studying it out, that that's kind of the the same line that that I always have. So I don't don't really have any problem with that. But over on page eight, which is just the second page of his preface, um, he we all we can kind of see where he begins. Uh, or and where he's going to be going with it, 
he says in the first paragraph, as I began studying my, the Bible and progressed through my seminary studies, I became further acquainted with what would be called the doctrines of grace. And he put that in quotation marks. And of course, if uh, you know anything about Calvinism, Reformed theology, you know that that is a key word. That is a buzz, or I should say a, a key phrase. That's another word uh, for Calvinism and Reformed theology, that, that phrase, the doctrines of grace. Uh, in fact, I, I hear that more and more uh, coming from our Calvinistic and Reformed uh, brethren as they uh, refer to uh, tulip theology as the doctrines of grace. And and so he, he, he begins by saying that. And so he says, I was greatly challenged and I worked very hard to reject everything that could be tied to predestination. I can even remember taking my Bible and highlighting every verse that seemed to oppose predestination. Uh, I was a man on a mission and that mission was to make God in my image and to have him follow my rules. I failed. He says, I found myself in a heated conflict between who I wanted God to be and who the scripture say, says he is. I discovered the words predestined and chosen are not merely things some people believe about God, but they are actual words in the Bible. And what kind of shocks me is he says that this is stuff that he's learning in a seminary uh, throughout his Bible studies and uh, his seminary training. Now, if you're reading the Bible, you, you should know that the words predestined and chosen are in the scriptures. Uh, it's just, what do those words mean? And, and he's going to go and he's going to tell us in the first chapter what the word predestined means. But uh, right now, we kind of see where he's going with this whole subject of predestined and election and all these uh, words that, that, that he says he found just, you know, during his seminary time was uh, in the Bible. Uh, and by the way, and I don't, and, and Jordan, listen, if you do hear this, know that if I say something sarcastically, um, it's not a dig at you. Uh, I don't know you personally. That's just kind of my sense of humor and my personality and, and the way I, I communicate sometimes. And so I don't mean anything by it. It's just me maybe trying to be funny, uh, but, but I'm just not. Uh, I mean, you can ask my wife and kids. I'm not very funny. I try to be, but I'm not. Um, but uh, when he talks about how he began studying the Bible and progressed through seminary studies, he says, I became further acquainted with what would be called the doctrines of grace. Now, what would I pull out of this? The, the thing that kind of uh, worries me is when he talks about it was through his seminary studies that he became acquainted with what would be called the doctrines of grace. So what it tells me is that he, he took the lessons and the professors telling him about the, the doctrines of grace. And John MacArthur, you know, he's a, a major uh, proponent of Calvinism. Uh, and even with that, he's still somebody that I, I admire and respect. Um, I still use his commentaries and, and read, uh, read after him. I'm just, you know, when it comes to the predestination stuff, 
that are the way he teaches it. Let me say that. Uh, I, I, I know where to be cautious at now. Um, but he has a, a saying and I, or at least I've heard him say this once before. He said, you, you don't read the Bible and become a liberal. He said, you have to go to seminary for that. And, uh, and I kind of agree with that statement. And, uh, but at the same time, I would say that you don't read the Bible and become a Calvinist. You have to go to seminary for that. And, and what I mean by that is you can't read the Bible and, and come away saying that, that God has chosen some for salvation and not chosen others. Uh, you can't walk away with that Calvinistic worldview just from simply reading scriptures. You have to have some kind of other uh, outside uh, influence coming in. And from and from what I've seen among uh, most, if not all, the people I've talked to uh, about Calvinism, that uh, it's usually through some other influence that... Uh, they accept and embrace uh, Calvinism. With me, it was through John MacArthur. With others, uh, it's been people like John Piper or uh, R.C. Sproul and uh, Mark Dever, people like that that have influenced other people into becoming uh, Calvinists. So uh, so right away, as, as we look at this book, we see the influence that uh, stuff outside of the, the Word of God can have on somebody's life. And so as he uh, goes on, he closes out the preface by saying, hopefully these pages will help you settle into the goodness of God's sovereignty and give into the fact that God alone is responsible for our salvation. Well, I just want to stop right there as well and say, who does not believe that God alone is responsible for salvation. Calvinists and non-Calvinists alike will both agree that God alone is responsible for their salvation. So right right away we see, just like any other Calvinistic book, he's setting up a false dichotomy. Either you believe uh, God is sovereign the way the Calvinists define sovereignty, or you believe that uh, God is not sovereignty the way Calvinists define sovereign. So they set up this, this false dichotomy um, where you're either Calvinist or you're Armenian. And in my personal opinion, you don't have to be either one of those. Neither one of those is uh, biblical uh, in, in my uh, opinion. Um, but anyway, uh, we, we move on uh, into chapter one. And chapter one is titled The Meaning of Predestination. So in this very chapter, he is about to give the meaning of uh, of predestination, and he doesn't get, uh, and he closes out the first paragraph with this definition. He says, excuse me, he says, predestination means that God chooses people to be saved, and it is a decision that God made long ago, even before he created the world. And that's his definition for predestination. And right away, he uh, and I can tell the verse that he's referencing would be Ephesians chapter one verse four. Um, predestination is mentioned there. It's also mentioned um, in verse uh, in Romans chapter eight. And uh, we're going to look at let's just look at these two verses. Uh, so let's look at Ephesians chapter one. And I'm flipping through my Bible uh, 
when I do this. So if your page is flipping, that, that's what it is. Uh, so Ephesians 1, 4 says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted and the beloved. And so when I read till verse six, because it's a continuous uh, <laughs> sentence, you can't just uh, stop it at verse number four. You got to, uh, in five, you have to put everything into the uh, whole context of things. And so what Ephesians 1, 4 is, is saying is that those that are in Christ, and we can get into what it means to be uh, chose us in him before the foundation of the world. I've got another uh, podcast on, on that. And, and in fact, I addressed that uh, this very thing in that particular podcast on Ephesians uh, chapter 1. But what predestination is, is not, that has nothing to do with God choosing some for salvation. Um, even when I was a Calvinist, uh, I would hear people can uh, conflate uh, election and predestination as the same thing. And even as a Calvinist, I understood that, that they were not the same thing. Uh, as a, a Calvinist, I would have said that God elects certain people to salvation and then those people that are elected to salvation are predestined for this. And so predestined isn't meaning that you're predestined to be saved. It's what happens after you're saved. And after you're saved, then you're predestined. All those that are saved are predestined uh, to be a, to, unto the adoption of children uh, by Jesus Christ. It's the end result, predestination that predetermines where you're going to go. So those that are saved are predetermined, predestined, so to, uh, if you will, uh, to be can, uh, adopted to be unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ, uh, according uh, to the good pleasure of his will. And then in Romans chapter 8, we see the word again, we uh, predestined. And so I'll, I'm going to flip there and share this and read this for you. Uh, in Romans chapter 8, uh, verse number 29, and once again, we uh, we have a uh, podcast on this verse as well. And it says in uh, verse 29, it mentions the word predestinate. Uh, Romans eight twenty nine says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to listen this is where where it gets not tricky for for some, but for others, I guess it does, or else we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Uh, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So there you see, what were they predestined to? To be conformed to the image of his son. So in other words, if you're saved... You are predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's the end game for the saved. That's the end game for uh, God's children. Uh, predestination does not mean that God chooses to save some people. If we want to look at it from the Calvinist perspective, that would be the definition of election. 
so right away we uh, he gets uh, the definition of predestination wrong from both the Calvinist perspective and a non-Calvinist uh, perspective. And then he makes reference to uh, this verse to back up his view of predestination and election. And uh, he, he references, he says, Jesus said this very thing in John. Uh, or, or I'll, I'll go ahead and read the whole, uh, the beginning of this paragraph. He says, in addition to this, predestination is determinative. People are not saved because they choose God, but because God chose them. Jesus said this very thing in John fifteen sixteen. You did not choose me, but I chose you. He said, and then he goes on to say, he chose a certain number of people to call out of this world for salvation. It is God's act of predestination which determines whether or not someone will be saved. Now, first of all, that verse that he references isn't even talking about salvation. When Jesus says that in John 15, he's speaking to his apostles. And he's saying that I chose you and when he's saying that I chose you in this, he's choosing them for service. And so right away we see uh, the argument, uh, I believe, starting to break down when we put everything into context and uh, perspective about what's actually being said and who he is actually referencing and speaking to as in the John 15 he goes on to say on page 10, he says, simply put, people can only be saved if God has predestined them to be saved. And all who are predestined will certainly come to salvation. Now, he that's his statement, and he does not put any kind of scripture reference for that. Um. He goes on in the next paragraph and he makes this statement. He says, there is a definite element of personal responsibility to the gospel. To which I would respond, how can there be from a Calvinist perspective? How can you say that you can only be saved if God has predestined you to be saved, but then... You also have a personal responsibility. Look, if I can't be saved unless God predestined me, then that's on God. It would be God's fault that I'm not saved. It would be God's fault that I don't respond to the gospel the way he wants me to respond. And I know if a, when, a, when Calvinists hear this, they're going to start calling me a heretic, but it is the God's honest truth. You can sit there... And, People, when it comes to this concept of um, the sovereignty of God and human responsibility, as the Calvinist put it, uh, just like it says on, um, on page 11 of his book, he says, there appears, uh, he says, because Scripture teaches both predestination and the need for one to personally repent of sin and believe the gospel, there appears to be tension within the Bible. I would say there's only tension within the Bible because the Calvinist is the one that put it there. And anytime they're confront, you're, you, you confront a Calvinist on this subject, you know, 
you know, about how can God be sovereign over salvation, but yet man be responsible for something that he couldn't do. They always appeal to mystery. Well, I don't know how it's possible. Well, I'll tell you how it's possible. Or, or I'll tell you uh, how, how uh, this fits in. It, it doesn't. You've made a false tension within the scriptures that's not there until the Calvinist puts it there. That's the way this all works. Uh, if, if you're called to repent, then listen, you have the ability to repent. And we move on. Because <laughs> he goes on and he, and he, he keeps contradicting himself he just talked about the personal responsibility then he goes on and on page 12 he says whoever will put their faith in christ will be saved and i agree with that statement but then he says dot 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 <laughs> it just so happens all who exercise faith were predestined to do so so if that's the case once again, if the Calvinist worldview is correct, then you do not have the responsibility to come to Christ. That responsibility would be on God to, to work in you. So God would be the one that's responsible for the uh, sinner refusing to come to Jesus Christ. And so Calvinist, you can sit there and uh, and, and point your fingers and say, who are you to reply against God taking that verse out of context? But the fact of the matter is, it's the truth. You just don't want to admit it because you're entrenched in this doctrine. And then we could, then we, then I know, because I, I know how the Calvinist mind works, then we'd get into this, uh, no, you're entrenched in your tradition. And, and we could go back and forth and, uh, it, it, it just won't amount to anything. Uh, but just, here's what I'm encouraging. Search the scriptures on these things. Then he goes on and, and he says this. He says, some have wrongly taught and believe that repentance can earn salvation. Who teaches that? Repentance do, doesn't earn salvation. But I will say repentance is a condition of salvation. You can't be saved until you repent of your sins. Even the Calvinist says that. Who says that repentance earns salvation? Nobody. And we're running up on the 26-minute mark. Like I said, I didn't want to be long, but I just wanted to kind of point out a few things about this. Uh, about this. He, he says on page 14, uh, predestination is simply the act whereby God makes a choice to save somebody. <laughs> to which I would just simply say wrong. And if you look at the verses that deal with the word predestinate, predestination, you would see that that is not what predestination means. Predestination has nothing to do with God's act of saving somebody. It has to do with the end result, the finish line. That's to be crossed by those that come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. 
Then he goes on, uh, page 18, he says, God's people were chosen before the foundation of the world. And once again, we have another, uh, we have a podcast on that, on Ephesians 1, if you want to go back and look at it. Um, And he's referencing, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Uh, And of course, like I said, what does it mean uh, that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world? I I believe that you look at that and it depends on where you're putting an emphasis at. Uh, Because I believe the Calvinist reads it incorrectly and says that he chose us, and that's where the emphasis is on the chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Uh, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. But I believe that it's referencing he chose us in him. In other words, he chose those of us that were going to be saved. He says, this is what I'm going to do to those that that come to know Jesus Christ, to those that are in him. He says, I'm choosing them. And he does this before the foundation of the world that they should be holy and without blame before him in love. So predestination has to do with those that are in Christ and where they're going from the moment they enter into Christ, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love and being predestined under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. Um, just a couple more pages I want to talk about. He goes on... Uh, he talks about predestination in history. Um, he talks about all these different great moves of God that were brought about by uh, those that are that were kind of uh, the leaders of these were uh, were Calvinists, and he's. Uh, He says this, he says, The first great awakening was led mostly by men who embraced predestination, while the second great awakening was mostly led by men who tried to erase it. He said, I think the results speak for themselves. That's completely irrelevant. Um, You know, he he uses that as an example for, you know, it was people that believed in, uh, this Calvinistic theology that 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 were these great evangelists and that preached the gospel, whereas these ones that didn't believe it, um, they uh, brought about controversy with their quote uh, with their altar calls and uh, people had were like just kind of flash in the pan uh, Christians. To me, that's a, a irrelevant point to make. Um, because and, and 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 here's and here's how we know this. Uh, I'm a King. I, I, I'm a King James guy. I use the King James. I preach from it. Uh, I study from it. Um, I've got my. I've got strong hell beliefs about the King James version. I don't hold it as a test of fellowship. It's just yeah. I, I'm a King James guy. Other people are are not. That's fine. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. Um, but one of the arguments, uh, and I and 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 I don't use this argument, but one of the arguments is, 
uh, that, um, you know, for a lot of King James only people, that, you know, the King James was the, the King James Version was the, uh, the Bible of the Reformation, the Bible that was used during the Great Awakening. All these great revivals happened by preachers that stood and, and used the King James Version uh, of the Scriptures. And they use that as an argument as to why you should be King James and only use the King James. And of course, uh, Brother Jordan and in, in his book, he's using, uh, I believe it's the ESV. Uh, and so if he wants to take that route, uh, that, you know, the Great Awakening was led by Calvinists uh, and, be, and, you know, insinuate that it was because of their, their Calvinist doctrine that the Great Awakening came, then by his own logic, he should be using the King James Version of the Bible. And so he would uh, no doubt make up plenty of arguments as to why not to use the King James Version and why you should use the ESV or some other uh, newer translation. And so the, the argument about um, the Great Awakening being led by men who embraced uh, Calvinist theology is completely irrelevant. That uh, that shouldn't even be considered uh, an argument. Um, but anyway, uh, that's just kind of my, my take on a, just a, a few different things that were said uh, in the book. Um, and like I said, Brother Jordan, uh, uh, we've never met. Uh, I think we've, uh, I think you've said some stuff, put some posts on Facebook that I've, uh, liked and, and shared um, uh, and uh, so we don't know each other personally um, but I do count you as a brother in Christ and and if I kind of got a little passionate don't don't, don't think that it's, I, it's hatred uh, for you or a dislike for you because um, I'm pretty sure we could uh, sit down and, and and discuss our differences uh, as I've done uh with friends in the past, we sit down and we discuss our differences. Um, and by the way, I'm, I'm a lot more calmer, uh, in person <laughs> than, than what I might've been, uh, uh, on this, but, uh, I just wanted to, uh, to just jump on here and just kind of, uh, give a different, uh, take, uh, different type of episode. Usually I pick out some verse of scripture that, uh, Calvinists use and I uh, I give an alternative uh, more biblical uh, uh, interpretation of it and application and uh, and so I, I saw this book and I just wanted to share my thoughts on it uh, but it, like I said it's so it's very well written uh, I just disagree with him on uh, his definition and predestination and uh and and what he, and what he believes it means as to what i believe the bible actually teaches uh that it means but anyway uh that's it for now uh hope you've enjoyed the podcast like i said uh i apologize for it being so long uh since i've, I've done one of these um but hopefully i'll uh, be able to uh pick back up and do them on a more regular basis uh, I enjoy doing them, uh, like I said, and I hope uh, you enjoy uh, listening. Uh, feel free to contact me. 
if you can, I'm on Facebook. You can contact me on, uh, uh, I think, through this uh, podcast uh, as well. So if you have any questions or comments, uh, like I said, get get back with me and uh, we'll uh, try to address them or, uh, or whatever we need to do to, to work them out. Um, but God bless you, and I hope you have a good day. Until next time.